Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. It's Paul and Pete today, and we're going to look at the AFL Grand Final and the Brownlow, the ramifications of the Hawthorne football scandal. We'll look at the NRL uh, preliminary finals, and we'll look at other things, all things sport. This is the Love Sport Podcast. We are... Yeah, we kind of are. That's what left me sad, that we are in a situation where it's 2022, 
and we are hearing allegations against two well-respected people in the game. And they weren't off-the-cuff allegations, Jared. There was such detail in what happened. This was said, and then this happened, and I rang my partner, and she's at work, and I'm ready to go, and this can't be true. This is made up. It has to be made up. And I'm not saying it is made up, but I was so disbelieving, I wanted to not believe. And I don't see, as I sit here tonight, I don't know the truth. But the allegations, Jared, were... They were in-depth. Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. We've done an NFL special earlier today. If you're an NFL person, please give it a listen. Um, we've got Patino and myself, Paul. We're going to cover a bit of AFL, a bit of NRL. Hey, we'll cover some world game and even talk quickly about golf. Patino, we've got the AFL Grand Final this week. Your Sydney Swans um, will be taking on the favourites, Geelong. How are you feeling? Uh, Firstly, thank you very much for having me back on the show. It's awesome to be able to join you. Uh, In terms of Sydney and Geelong here, it's shaping up to be, you know, quite an interesting battle because we saw that Geelong absolutely demolished Brisbane last weekend. Um, And then the Swans only kind of, you know, snuck past Collingwood. They're not a, you know, a four quarters type of a team, this Sydney side at the moment. They can do well in patches, but they're not consistent across the whole game. So, um, to be blunt, I'm not entirely confident in the Swannies uh, for the grand final, but look, there's glimmers of hope. Well, sneaking past the uh, Pies, mate, don't, don't underestimate that. That's a team that does not lay down. I think they played. Uh, probably 14 games this season that were under two goals. So um, you're in the big dance now. Um, Some pundits have really spoken about you all year. I think, unbelievably, for a team that end up finishing, you know, second on the ladder, I think think you flew under the radar for so long. Um, But Geelong have massive firepower. So I just, I think Geelong will win, but it would not shock me at all if Sydney got up. It's one of those games. And I hope it is a classic. Absolutely. I think, yeah, you've summed it up perfectly. It really, it could go either way, but, you know, balanced on the scales there, it suggests that Geelong probably should walk away with I, with the biscuits here. I just don't want to hear the crap partway through the game of, this is so wonderful for Dangerfield. He hasn't won a grand final before. Oh, he's the sentiment. I don't want to hear any of that crap. Buddy Franklin has signed on for another year at Sydney. Um, I couldn't imagine that he was going to go anywhere else. So that's um, big news this week. Um, also, congratulations to Patrick Cripps. It was one of the great Brownlow medal counts of all time. It came right down to the last game. The AFL knows how to script drama. Uh, Patrick uh, Cripps getting up over Lockie Neal. And I've got to say that Lockie Neal, when he was interviewed during the night as well, just comes across as an absolutely fabulous human being. So... Congratulations to Patrick Cripps. I find that hard to say as a Richmond supporter, Carlton being our mortal enemies. Um, but, you know, great win. Many people will say that he should have been wiped out the tri- by the tribunal earlier in the year. He actually was found guilty. Um, his lawyer, it went to an appeal and the lawyer got him off. Um, but you have to forget about that because once the count started, he was free to win it. So we can go back and say he should have been wiped out, but he won it, and congratulations um, to Patrick Cripps in a year that um, Carlton seemed to have moved forward. The other thing, mate, I did want to bring 
um, to base. That was a really quick AFL section there. But look, I think if I can just come back to the AFL grand final, um, I think it's going to be one in the middle. Sydney do have a good midfield, but Geelong just seemed to have elite players in there. Um, and, and Stengel as well up forward with Hawkins and Cameron. Um, and Geelong's defence just doesn't seem weak in any position. And I just think overall they're the best balanced team. Um, I'm, I want a prediction from you. I'm going to say Geelong by 26 points, but a couple of late goals. Ah, uh, geez. Um, I, I, I have to say, be the eternal say optimist. Be a couple of late goals. <laughs> yeah, look, I have to be the eternal optimist here and say Swans by four. Oh, beautiful. So on record, I've got um, Geelong by 26 points. Pete has got uh, Sydney by four points. If you follow either of our tips with your own money, uh, more for you um, because, um, you know, <laughs> one of us is going to be right and one of us is going to be wrong. Um, now, the other thing that's um, – I don't want to go into too much depth on this because I just don't have enough knowledge. Um, I do want to say that I pay respects on my land, which is uh, the land of terrible and cubby-cubby people. Um, I, I want to say that anyone who's Indigenous who feels aggrieved, um, uh, our First Nations people – we do have tremendous respect for you on this podcast. Um, if you have been triggered by recent events with Hawthorne, which we'll touch on, um, we do want to say you can stop listening to this podcast now. Um, but we'll just continue and just say that, give you that time to drop out right now if you like. But Pete, the Hawthorne, I don't want to say the word scandal, but the, the, the shocking events that have been reported and the allegations against the Hawthorne Football Club I want to preface this by saying I'm not vilifying Hawthorne. I'm vilifying the AFL. Um, if the allegations are even partially true that this was allowed to happen and the chairman of Hawthorne at the time um, is a chairman of the AFL. So at the moment, um, Fagan has been involved from Brisbane Lions. He has stood down himself um, to be part of the AFL investigations. Um, Clarkson, who's now appointed at North Melbourne, has... Um, He's going to start his football um, later. He was meant to start November 1, so he's going to start later at uh, North. So that says to me um, that the allegations, obviously, are going to be fully investigated. And it's going to be a long-term allegation there, um, or allegation investigation of the events at Hawthorne. I'm not sure if you've read up too much or heard too much about it at the moment, Pete. Yeah, look, um, for me, I think that... um, I think it's pretty well known that the AFL holistically uh, over probably the last 20, 30 years has been seen as probably the most culturally progressive organization leading the way across other governing bodies and across other sports in terms of the understanding and treatment of indigenous people and culture. Uh, I think that, you know, the AFL as, as a whole um, has a lot more exposure to and contact with indigenous lifestyle and Australian society as large. Um, and the resources which are out there to, you know, assist and connect with more people is a lot more easily accessible than there is in, in other sports. Um, football, for instance, it's, it's only really just started in the last eight months uh, or so to really have those types of connections. But AFL has been around it for a long, long time. So the scary thing with not only these allegations being put out there is how and why that these thoughts were even, you know, still considered to be whatever was said and whatever 
uh, kind of happened in those meeting rooms, in what sense and in what universe did individuals think that that was even remotely appropriate? Like I say, with the organization itself, AFL, being one of the most uh, culturally progressive organizations in the Australian sporting landscape. And, and Pete, the thing, you know, this is not the 60s or 70s where there was no social media. There was no media the way it's covered now. The media was very invasive, but it was different. Um, the media had relationships with players and so forth that are different to today. Um, to think that if this is true or even partially true, to think that this was appropriate to start with and to think it would never get out um, is just insane. And this goes on top of... Um, the Adam Goods incidents from the past decade and or more, um, from the allegations from the Adelaide camp, um, from uh, you know um, comments and, and statements from uh, Eddie Betts, um, it's just it does seem that it is far wider. And I don't want to vilify the whole Hawthorne club. I'm not trying to do that, nor are you. We're talking about these practices across any club in any sport. This is insane. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely insane if this is true. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. And so, like, the AFL, they've obviously come out with their statement saying these are serious allegations. It's important that we treat them appropriately whilst also ensuring a formal process provides support for those impacted and also natural justice to those people who have been accused. There's a process, uh, there is a process that is appropriate to be held um, independent of the normal AFL integrity department um, it's there are harrowing stories, and there is increased uh, increasing courage um, of the complainants to speak out and to make their voices heard. And, and it's been funny, not funny, God, wrong choice of words there. It's been um, strange for me with a bit of a media and communications background how um, the different units have responded. So the chairman from Hawthorne and the AFL has stood down. Um, Dennis, uh, sorry, Dennis uh, Fagan um, from North, uh, Brisbane Lions um, has stood down himself at the moment just while the investigation is happening. Um, and for um, Hawthorne with Alistair Clarkson um, and North Melbourne, sorry, for him to come out, he's been quite aggressive in his response, um, saying that, you know, due justice and everything. So there's a lot of sides to this story. So we're not going to say that people are guilty or not, but where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's certainly going to be some of these allegations that will um, come to light that will be in whatever format true. And truth is also how those people in those situations perceive them. So, you know, I also feel sorry for everyone involved in terms of everyone's families, because those who've been directly or indirectly affected, you know, the partners, the grandparents, the parents of the Indigenous players, um, you know, Fagan's family, Clarkson's family, everyone is affected. Please don't think that I'm apologising for anyone. I'm just saying there's so many people who are not directly involved that this is also going to affect. Absolutely. And the biggest thing that we need to consider and that everyone listening needs to consider is this is not trial by media. This has to be done by due process and it has to be done through the right channels and it has to be dealt with appropriately. So as much as us, the general public, are searching for more information and are looking to try and you know, find out as much as we can, in a way, it's not our place. 
in, it, it's really, it's our place to be supportive for the people around us. It's our place to be, you know, supportive of other individuals to say, hey, if there's a problem, you need to speak up about it. But yep. it's not our duty to, to trial and, and be judge, jury and executioner on these individuals based on the allegations which have been put forward. So no, that is a I really mean, important thing. It is absolutely and very well said. Unfortunately, I do believe that the two coaches in question, regardless, I don't want to say unfortunately, because if they've done what they've purported to do, then they deserve this. And, and if it's only partially true, their careers are over. Their, 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 their football careers are well and truly done. Um, this is just going to be one of the biggest stories in Australian sport in many years. And what it has opened up, Pete, is that we are... Look, when it comes to um, the pro-choice and abortion, that's another story altogether. It's a conversation it's difficult to have in Australia. You and I are men. Um, for us to tell other people how to treat their bodies is not our place. From a religious standpoint, there's those point of views as well. But it's just got so many ramifications that are bigger than sport. Um, the way our Indigenous uh, families are treated or perceived, um, the way we treat players, I guarantee you many of these same conversations would have been had with players that are white and other ethnicities, but we have to be culturally sensitive to our Indigenous populations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, uh, I think that sums it up really well. Um, and, and as always, as, as more information comes to light, there will be no doubt there'll be plenty of articles which pop up and it's going to be about whose information can we kind of trust, whose information can we kind of respect, who's just looking for a headline. Um, so my advice is always read as much content as possible and d determine um, what is relevant information and what is information that is just, you know, adding chaos to a situation. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So, look, we won't cover any more of that. I think we've, um, you know, it's been very well covered. We've put our points out there. Um, look, for Brisbane, it was a really disappointing end of the season. Um, they were absolutely outplayed and outcoached against Geelong. It was a fabulous effort by Geelong to win by 71 points. Um, the Conwood-Sydney game will go down as another absolute classic. The last preliminary final that was played at the Sydney uh, cricket ground was when Tony Lockett kicked from about 70 metres out a point that got uh, Sydney into the grand final. So, um, and then you have Nick, the history of Nick, Dave, Dave, uh, Nick Davis um, kicking two goals in um, time added on to get them into a preliminary final before. So what a ground to watch games at. I've been there many times. It's a gorgeous old ground. Um, and, and just the Sydney crowd have been treated to an absolute spectacle this year, regardless of what happens. They got to see Lance Franklin kick his historic goal and have that ground invasion. Um, and they've seen this one-point preliminary final. And probably the most underrated coach in the AFL uh, in John Longmire. I, I honestly don't believe he gets any um, plaudits compared to a lot of other coaches. So, well, commiserations to Collingwood and Brisbane. Um, they've been... You know, two great seasons, but it's going to be a fabulous grand final played at a tra traditional time slot. So that's our AFL section. When we come back, we'll cover the NRL semis leading into the preliminaries, and uh, we'll talk world game. This is the Life Sport Podcast. Some extra footwork on and got absolutely crunched by Mitchell. Ball goes out the back of Walker. 
the outside men overran it, so he swings it back to Murray. He's up against Alphanugan, he missed him hopelessly. It's a try for Murray. With half time, less than 30. Then to Cody Walker, and then to Latrell Mitchell, and then a ball that finds the hands of Mulatalo off the bump, and Mulatalo runs away. semis were one and done um, over the last weekend and we've just accidentally put on a Google ad there so I apologise <laughs> that was my, uh, my bad um, but um, yeah look two very interesting games <laughs> not really they were both absolute blowouts the Eels thrashing the Raiders, the Raiders looked like they'd run out of legs, the Eels um, just could not do anything wrong. And it's the Eels that many people, I think, expected throughout the season. But they're coming good right at the right time. And Sharks could not have, you know, played their, their worst game at home, out in straight sets, thrashed by the Rabbits. And just some ridiculous decisions of, of player send-offs in, in these games as well. I think the, the refereeing in, this, in these finals uh, have been very poor. Yeah, look, I agree. I think that... Um... When it, when it comes to finals football, obviously, you know, things get more intense because there's more to these games. But I think that those types of send-offs and those, you know, a lot of the decisions, it felt like the referee trying to take control of a situation they didn't need to. Like, yeah. be a part of the game, not the focus of the game. Um, and that was quite disappointing. But, you know, thankfully, at least the footy on the actual field was a lot more interesting to talk about than the refereeing decisions and kind of overtook it. So like you say, the Eels getting an absolute thumping over the Raiders, that that was a fantastic performance from the Eels. It, it seemed like um, whatever it was that they needed to get rid of whatever demons against the Raiders, they definitely got rid of those demons. They, they definitely got rid of whatever voodoo that there was about, about that game. They got the better of it. They progress and they now face a really, really tough battle against the Cowboys up in North Queensland. So that will be a really tough battle there. Yeah. Now, the other oh, one, I... as you say, Rabbitohs against the Sharks. I think that the Bunnies, they obviously did 
be a bit more consistent. They, they moved the ball with a bit more purpose. They were a lot more progressive. They got more yardage. It was pretty simple. They just went through the motions and got the job done. Now, they face off against Panthers, who, as we've kind of said from the beginning, are probably one of those types of a team, the Panthers, that you'd expect them to be in the grand final this year. I've, I've, um, I've said it from very early in the season. I thought they were cert- I, not too many times in, a, in, in even competitions that you can say a team, um, they were my lock from, you know, very, very early on. And you know I'm a Melbourne Storm man. I just, it's such a complete team. I just want to go back to some statistics quickly, Pete, on uh, the Parramatta game, just to put it in perspective of how dominant it was. It wasn't only the scoreline. They had seven... 100 more metres gained. And, and stats in, in NRL, um, I'm using them more and more because um, I think it's an underutilised thing in the NRL. But yep. 700 more metres, they had 47 tackle breaks to 25. So I think that says it all. They, they, they 22 more tackles they broke than the Raiders. And the Raiders, I think that's those statistics to show that the Raiders had played their grand final against the Storm the week before. Um, and, you know, you're right about the Rabbits. They came in with a really good game plan. Um, I thought Latron Mitchell was absolutely fantastic. Um, and to put this one in perspective, um, the Rabbits had 400 more metres, but another game, 18 more tackle breaks. So that the Cronulla's defence just wasn't up to it. And they, you know, really disappointing to the end of uh, their season, mate. But I, I wanted to point out those statistics because those tackle breaks... It's such a big differential in both games that whilst the, the, the offense looks good, you know, 38 to 12 and 40 to 4, it's yep. the defenses of the two other teams, their opponents, that just weren't up to it. Agreed. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of their defensive actions just weren't up to where they should be, especially when it comes to such a big game with such purpose behind it as well. Um, there were really big gaps that were. They were pretty much exposed. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and look, we, we will quickly touch on the uh, preliminary finals. Um, the game up in Townsville um, is going to be... It's a really tricky place because it is going to be, you know... Um, it's going to be 29 degrees um, on Friday. And that 29 degrees, to put it in perspective, is such humidity up there. Um, yeah, I was going to say 29 degrees and what, 400% humidity? That, yeah, that would be about and right, there's been yeah. a lot of rain around, so the humidity will be really, really high. So the ball's going to be slippery, and, and that the Cowboys are used to that. Um, I think they have to be the favourites. They've had the week break. Um, unfortunately for the Cowboys, the Eels basically had a stroll in the park the week before. So whilst I think it'll be a close game, I think the Cowboys will continue their amazing season of of. of, of you know, just a recovery from previous years. And I think they'll be in the grand final. I think it'll be eight points. Uh, I think it'll be 22 to 14, the Cowboys. So it's pretty much uh, a Cowboys-Panthers grand final. That's what we're locking in. Yeah, I think the Panthers The Panthers will beat the Rabbitohs. I think the Rabbitohs will be really, they'll be as close as they can in the first half. I think the Panthers will be up by a try at half time and they'll score a couple more. And I think they'll win by 18 uh, against the Rabbits. Yep. Yep, it's a decent tip, to be fair. So, got to agree with you. We'll talk grand final next week. Um, But, uh, look, I've said it from very, very early on. I think uh, the Panthers 
Um, if you'd continued, uh, if you're a punting person, which we're not, um, if you'd backed the Panthers all year, you were getting dollar twenties, dollar thirties every single week. So if someone said to you, "Give me a hundred dollars and I'll give you 120," um, I think you've done fairly, fairly well this year if you'd been following the Panthers. Um, and that trend will continue this week. I think they're a dollar thirty-seven. So, um, yep, Panthers to meet the Cowboys in the grand final. Uh, the very interesting game in my mind. Mate, when we'll come back, we'll quickly come back and finish off this podcast with um, some English Premier League and uh, I'll let you talk uh, a bit more about some European uh, competition as well. Um, but we'll come back with the World Game. This is your expertise. I mean, whilst John and I absolutely love our world game, you are our world game expert. Um, we've got the um, we've got New Zealand and Australia playing tonight as well. So some interesting stuff happening there. And some um, big news. We can now call our Socceroos crew the official Subway Socceroos, thanks to a Subway Socceroos sponsor. Yes, the Subway sponsor as uh, the Subway Socceroos. Say that ten times quickly and see what comes out. Mate. Um, yeah, I'm spending time. I normally will go. It's at Suncorp. I will normally always go to these games. There's some pretty heavy rain around. It's school holidays. I've got the kids at home, so I've um, dedicated after this podcast that I'm spending the day with them. I'd normally go to Suncorp. I've uh, got to be honest with you. I'm happy to miss this one tonight. Um, the rain has really set in. Suncorp Stadium hasn't been used a lot lately, so the drainage will be good there. But it is a ground that holds water. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see um, how the two very similar flags go. Um, I'm not sure what you're expecting from this one, mate, but I'm not extremely excited to see it. I just don't want to see any injuries. <laughs> uh, well, we've known that Graham Arnold has brought in the Brains Trust for this game with uh, Aussie Goose hitting, um, also making an appearance. He obviously won't be on the technical uh, touchline, but uh, he'll probably be up in the grandstands, mic'd up to Arnie, passing on words of wisdom. And is there um, anyone else in Australia at the moment who may have had something to do with the Socceroos who's in Australia right now. 
uh, where are you leading this towards? Well, is there a certain Celtic gaffer in Australia? Ah, of course. Uh, old mate Ange Postecoglou is currently in Australia overseeing um, some media commitments, talking all things about the, the Sydney Cup, which we're taking place uh, between um, Celtic, Sydney FC... Uh, I think it's Western Sydney Wanderers and Everton from yeah. memory. Yeah, which I think is fantastic. And, oh, mate, it's just kind of like a who's who of uh, Socceroos and young Socceroos at the moment, which is just fantastic to see. Um, the world game, from an Australian point of view, is extremely well followed. We all know this, and we'll lead into the Premier League with this one, mate. I was very relieved to see Villa beat a very disappointing um, Southampton 1-0 um, a horrendous game but in the end um, this is what you need to do and, and Ramsey scored for us and Coutinho finally had a decent game I think Tyrone Mings was amazing and, and Villa's back um, out of the danger zone uh, <laughs> Southampton not looking fantastic Pressure off Stevie, hey? Um, yeah, look, it was, a, it was a much, much needed result for Villa. Uh, and, and as you say, the, the, the goal before halftime, it, it basically let out a collective sigh of relief, which, to be honest, I'm pretty sure actually warmed uh, most of England for the next few days um, because <laughs> they do have that, you know, heat crisis at the moment. But, um, yeah, look, Villa desperately needed the result and, and credit to them, they ended up, getting it and they they get to progress like you know Southampton they're they're such an interesting side at this moment you never know what you're going to get with Southampton it's a young squad you don't know what they're really going to produce on a weekly basis sometimes they're fantastic other times they really dip in form it's just a very interesting lineup mate um Forrest just Looked like they had the game one against Fulham. Fulham, three very quick goals again. They, they were a very good team. Three goals in six minutes. Um, and uh, they've put Forrest back into the relegation. Uh, but more importantly for Fulham, they've put themselves in reach of the top six again. They're currently in the top six with other teams having games in hand. But they're a fun team to watch. They concede goals, but they score goals as well. Oh, mate, Fulham, they don't care about conceding goals at this moment. You can tell it because they know that with Mitrovic up top, they're going to score. They're going to have chances. They're going to create opportunities. So, really, they don't care about conceding. Um, they, they just want to create exciting football and have as much fun as possible. Now, you compare that to uh, to the game that they played against here with, uh, with Nottingham Forest. Now, Nottingham made the Fulham mistake from four years ago where they've signed 22 players between moving from the Championship up to the Premier League. How are you going to keep 22 players happy plus the players that you already had on your book? It's not going to work. Like... You've got to have a plan. We've we've said it all along. You can have all the money in the world you want. You can spend all the money. But it looked like they just bought whoever was available as opposed to buying the players they needed. Yeah, look, I think um, we've all done this when we were kids. You get a shopping list from mum and, and she goes, oh, we need, you know, a box of eggs. And, and you end up buying a box of every brand because you don't know whether or not that you're meant to buy a certain one. So, you know, oh, we've okay. all caused a bit my, of chaos. My, and my and I, feel like that, yeah. I feel like that's what Forrest did. Um, they basically just went, we're just going to spe- buy everyone because we don't know who exactly that we actually want. Well, a lot of postponements, and, and we haven't said it already in this pod, but um, well, condolences and, and uh, veil uh, Her Royal Highness, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. 
Um, and um, we have today off to record podcasts to uh, commemorate, commiserate uh, and celebrate Her Royal Highness, who loved her sport as well. Um, so a lot of postponements. So Newcastle and Bournemouth was a one-all game. The goals came in quick concession, uh, quick succession. But it was actually a pretty good game. I, I thought Newcastle were unlucky not to have put a couple more away. Absolutely. Alexander Isak proving his worth already. So he's been in fantastic form and continues to um, be a great um, addition to this Newcastle lineup. And we'll, and we'll wait and see who else that they add to their lineup in the upcoming uh, January transfer windows, Absolutely. which there's plenty of speculation already around. Uh, Arsenal with a really convincing 3 0 win over Brentford. Um, they are. I'm just enjoying their football at the moment. It, it's a young team, it's a team scoring goals for fun. Um, so, so far this season, um, they've scored 17 goals in seven, eight, in seven games. Um, and they're on top of the Premier League, no matter what the results are for the makeup games. And that's, that's fantastic. Um, really enjoy watching Arsenal play at the moment. Mate, Arsenal are incredibly enjoyable to watch. Um, and, and this is a funny thing because it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about um, the question marks over Mikel Arteta as, as head coach, whether or not he'd stay, whether or not he'd actually be successful. And then next thing you know, he, he's got a side who uh, look like they could be one of the title contenders. Um, but obviously Manchester City will end up winning the title. But obviously uh, Arsenal could be that second or third type of a team on the list. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And Everton, with five points in their last three games, they got the 1-0 win, very much needed, over West Ham. West Ham drop uh, into the relegation zone with Leicester um, and Forrest. Um, and just a pretty hard watch this game. But this is what's going to happen um, when you've got teams this close together. Uh, West Ham starting off the season in, in ordinary fashion. That they are. Um, they don't look... Uh, they don't look comfortable. They don't look super happy at this moment. The the, the squad's really, it's just, it's a bit all sorts. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a tough one for West Ham. Um, the scariest thing about West Ham at the moment is obviously they're the most expensive beer in the Premier League if you go to the uh, stadium um, shops beforehand. So uh, if you are going to go... At least they're not $12 plastic drinks that we're getting around Australia at the moment. My goodness. I know they're uh, expensive, but we're, I reckon we're worse what here. What are they mate. charging? I think from memory they were six seventy five. So that yeah, would from, work out to be basically $12 or like eleven fifty for a beer. Yeah. Well, ours are probably, ours are probably you know, on par, but the, the beers in plastic are horrendous here. Uh, mate, this game... Now, I reckon if you didn't watch this game and you see the score is 6-2, you would say how pathetic... Um, Leicester was, but I actually watched Tottenham and Leicester and it was a really good game and I thought there were points in the game where Leicester were, were really good money there um, but Son is back on song and he two of the goals he scored were absolute world class goals fantastic goals Yeah, shame his third wasn't the magical uh, elite uh, hat trick, but you know, credit to Son. Um, he's been uh, he's been dropped of late, and he's basically been told by Antonio Conte he, he needs to be a lot more um, prolific in front of goal. He needs to be a bit more, you know, forward thinking and a bit more, you know, on song with the rest of the crew. Um, yeah, we've already yeah. pulled out a couple of shows, but I love it. Exactly, um, and that's what he did. Yeah, was it three goals in the space of? 
15, 16 minutes yep. um, as a as a sub. So he really turned this game around. But as for Leicester, good gosh, they look awful. Um, Defensively, they, they just, were horrendous. Yeah. Really, really poor. For me, James Madison has to get himself out of there as soon as possible if he does want to even have a consideration of playing for England ever again. Yeah, he's a good player and he showed some good signs in that game as well. But I, I've got to say that the marking, I mean, Son, I know he scored two absolute worldies, but no one picked him up whatsoever. He was able to dance around the players um, and shoot from wherever he wanted. And and you said it about Madison. Madison scored a goal for Leicester, but 6-2. Um, Tottenham having an absolutely brilliant season as well. One point off the top. So the two um, one London clubs there in Arsenal and Tottenham. Uh, Arsenal on 18, uh, Tottenham on 17 points. And... I, I, I want to go, mate, across to the Scottish Premier League where St Mirren, and it looked like a Sunday kind of... We talk about the A-League and, and crowds and this, that and the other, but outside of, realistically, Celtic and Rangers and a couple other teams like Aberdeen, uh, Motherwell at times, but St Mirren, their ground looks like a... Second like division. a local park? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. does. It looks like a second order division, uh, third division, New South Wales or Brisbane kind of Premier League um, ground. And uh, they just never looked. Celtic did not look at the races at all. And that was a, that would have been a major worry for Ange. It was a terrible performance. Yeah, look, it was. But uh, like if you think about it from the stats perspective, Celtic produced 19 shots on goal. Four of them were on target. So that ratio was pretty awful. Um, St. Mirren, on the other hand, four shots on goal, two on target, two goals. Um, you know, they didn't create a great deal. They did not have the ball for very much, 20% mate, mate, possession. Mate, and they mate, were just more effective. I don't even know how it was 20% possession because I thought, Jesus, I haven't seen them with the ball much and I haven't seen them pass the ball. I don't know if I've ever heard this. Don't look at the stats. Do you, are you got the stats in front of you right now? Uh, I do, but I've just closed them, actually. Okay. How many passes does an average team, you know, if it's a team that's, you know, up against the cosh, how many passes do you think they'd probably get in the game? Uh, a defensive team like a St. Mirren in this game, they probably averaged around about 200 passes, maybe yeah. 170. And 81 of those were accurate passes. Yeah. Um, so it was just one of those games. and But I still think, I think why I thought, um, Celtic was so awful is they had such dominant possession and with their passes they they had 613 accurate passes at 89% and I know they had all those shots on goal but to have only four shots on target for the whole match when you've got that much ball I just thought it was a, a it was a really poor effort I thought absolutely yeah so that's we're in the Scottish Premiership uh, we also had uh, da, da, da. We also had Rangers get a 2-1 win over Dundee, which was a really important result there. So if we look at the table, no surprises there. Celtics top uh, with Rangers two points just behind, followed by Hearts and St. Mirren rounding up the top four. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mate, we are going to finish off the podcast with a tiny bit of golf for a moment. Um, but before that, mate, was there anything else that you... I, I did want to touch on the Serie A, if I could. Um, and I just want to read out the top five for a reason. Top five of the Serie A. Napoli on top with 17 points. That's Atlanta, second on 17 points. Udinese, third on 16 points. Lazio, fourth on 14 points. It's just so 
awesome to see. I know it's only early on, but it's so awesome to see different teams up there. Absolutely. And like, you know, my team number five there, Milano. Um, so good to see that Milano is doing um, a little bit better after a few years of, uh, of struggles. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting one. Juventus has plenty of problems. There's a good chance that, uh, that as much as they would like to get rid of Massimo Allegri, they literally can't afford to get rid of him, so they're stuck with him for now. So you just have to celebrate the successes of the other teams in the league. And, and as you mentioned, Napoli... Um, and Atalanta are, are two of the most exciting teams in this league at the moment and, oh, and are producing it. great football, absolutely fantastic be, football. There could be six or seven teams in Serie A really pushing for it at the moment. And, and that's just, I love it. It's, it's, um, it's just absolutely brilliant to see. Mate, um, just before we finish off, I want to also go across to the Bundesliga, which I love watching. I just love their crowds. I know a lot of English and European supporters from other leagues go across and are members of the of the German clubs. The Bundesliga clubs are almost entirely owned by the supporters, and, uh, and they have the supporters' trusts, and they're the most reasonably priced tickets in Europe for top-line football. And Augsburg beating Bayern Munich 1-0 in a massive upset on the weekend. Yeah, look, it was an upset, but um, Julian Nagelsmann and this Bayern Munich crew, they're not really hitting their... Their stripes at the moment, they, they really are underperforming from where they should be. Um, Sadio Mane looks disconnected from the other yes. um, yeah. from the other Bayern Munich attackers. Leroy Sane is nowhere near as involved. Thomas Muller looks a little bit lost. To, uh, like Joshua Kimmich is probably the most exciting player in this lineup at the moment. But yeah, you can't take away from Augsburg, uh, who, who were in fantastic form. And let's just look at that um, before we finish off the world game, which we are absolute addicts of. Um, I'm loving this table in the Bundesliga again because we know in in uh, Ligue 1, we know that Paris Saint-Germain could run away with it, but they're only two points clear at the moment. Um, Union Berlin are on top. They've only conceded four goals this season and they've, con- and they've scored the second most um, in the Bundesliga with 15. Uh, they're on 17 points. Borussia Dortmund are on 15. Freiburg on 14, followed by Hoffenheim on 13, and Bayern on 12, equal with Mosh and Gladbach. Um, it's just so good. I know it's early, but we're seven games in, and normally we would see a, a, a Munich or a Dortmund already four or five points clear, potentially. I'm just loving what we're seeing around Europe at the moment. Absolutely. It is incredibly exciting, and there's a, a really good range of teams who are performing above and beyond their means at the moment, but... Uh, Look, I'm going to have to jump off and let you finish off with the golf update. Uh, I've got a train to jump into town too. And uh, thank you very much. I very much appreciate being able to uh, chat some football and chat some uh, chat some footy and hopefully up the Swannies, um, even though I don't think that uh, they might get it. But uh, all the very best. Well, enjoy you. the ride and have a safe, thirsty Thursday for your team. Thank you very much, my dear. Farewell. Thanks, Pete. This would tie the team lead. On its way, in it goes. He's having a splendid day and smash on level with the four aces on 23 under par. Bryson DeChambeau for birdie at 18. It's significant. It drops and it gets the crushers into a tie for third place with the high flyers. Nicholson with his third of the seventh. 
Eastern Fell. into third place. And why is that? Well, captain Sergio Garcia with an eagle at the second. They are 16 under par. They're a shot ahead of the crushers. And after the superb third shot, Phil now with a great chance for birdie at seven. It'll move the high flyers into solo third. Oh! It's dynamite, all right. Phil Mickelson is back, everybody. The high flyers are in third place by one shot. Thanks for joining us for another Love Sport podcast. It was Paul and Pete today. Um, we've also done another podcast with John for the NFL Week 2 special. So you can get us on Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Get Pete at Pete Novikowski, spelt with a W, and Paul at Paul underscore football. You can also get the Love Sport podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, any other way you want to listen to your podcast. Hey, send us a review. Ever want to be on the show? Let us know. We always love guests. This is the Love Sport Podcast.